Uh, I wanted to say a huge thank you to the ladies who helped decorate the sanctuary. It looks wonderful, right? Uh, I don't know that all of them are here. Debbie Fleming, Mona McCaslin, Madison Smith, and Nell Thornton and Amy King were the ones who helped. So give them credit where credit is due. They did a good, great job. Uh, speaking of decorations, a few years ago, we... Um, I had, we had this idea to, to make some decorations for the church, and you probably, if you've been around for a few years, you remember it, but it said, Joy to the World. You might remember this? Out in front, it was some big letters, and uh, I made those, and it was a labor of love, and uh, blood, sweat, and tears, and splinters, and all that. Um, it, wasn't, it, it was an easy idea in my head, you know, it didn't always work out like that. And I don't really remember how we chose uh, that phrase, joy to the world, we could have picked many other Christmas slogans or sayings, uh, some better than others. Um, but I think through those hours of making that and staring at it and, and looking at it and putting it together, and they've since fell apart through the test of time and all that. But as I stood there and thought about it, uh, joy to the world, joy to the world, what is this? mean and and then it was it was in that time that it hit me that what we are proclaiming what the message of christianity is is joy we are proclaiming world you can have joy that is what we are proclaiming it hit me that joy and and joy is not just happiness joy is not it's it's a deep happiness it's a satisfaction of a pleasure it's immense all those I don't have a definition for it this morning, but it's what we're seeking. We're all seeking it. We're all seeking this, this satisfaction and this pleasure and this, this happiness. And, and by putting that sign out in the front, it hit me. We're proclaiming, world, you can have joy. We know where the answer is. We know where the satisfaction is. What you're seeking, we have found, and we're here to tell you about it. And so many times in our modern day, Christianity and the message of Christianity gets painted that we're just hateful, that we're bigoted, that we, we don't love, that we, we are just better than thou, and we are all this stuff. And the truth is, what we are proclaiming is joy. All the satisfaction, all of the pleasure, all of the, the, the meaning and the purpose and the, the deep happiness that you're trying to find in so many places in the world, in people, and we're going to talk about what those places are today. We have found it. We know where joy is found, and we're proclaiming that joy. And so that's what, that's, that's what we're going to talk about today, joy to the world. Uh, Isaac Watts wrote this hymn in the 1700s. That's a long time ago if you're keeping track. Anybody know any other Isaac Watts hymns? This is your one chance you get to speak in church. I'm just kidding. Isaac Watts wrote a lot of hymns, some of them that we still sing. When I survey the wondrous cross, our God, our help in ages past. Alas, and did my Savior bleed. And this Christmas song called Joy to the World. The funny thing is about this Christmas song is he never intended to write a Christmas song. It never was sung when he was still alive. It wasn't sung until decades later when somebody found this. Isaac was going through the Psalms and he was reading the Psalms and he would read the Psalm and then write a poem about a Psalm. And so he came to Psalm 98 
and he wrote what we sing today as a Christmas song. But if you really read the words, it's not really about Christmas. It's really about Christ's second coming. But we sing it as a Christmas song, and we're going to take that for our text this morning. But let's read the words to this song. If we'd have planned well, Shane and I would have, you know, talked this week and gone, hey, we should sing Joy to the World. I think we sang it last week. But here's the words. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare room and heaven and nature sing. And I won't. And heaven and nature, yeah, okay. (laughs) Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. Isaac Watts was reading Psalm 98, and he's, and we're going to read it here in a second, and he's saying what Christmas is about, what, what Christ's coming is about, is about joy to the whole world. Not just joy to the Israelites, not just joy to a certain group of people. This is joy to the whole world, to all the nations, and, and to the whole earth. Because he says the rocks, hills, and plains, let everything praise the Lord. Let everything rejoice that the Lord has come. So let's look at Psalm 98 together this morning. Psalm 98, starting in verse 1. He says, O sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. And all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Verse 4. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre and with the lyre and the sound of melody. With trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the Lord, before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands, let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Let me pray. God, I thank you for this truth, God. And I thank you for the joy that we can have because the Lord is come. God, we thank you for the fact that you have worked salvation And you have made it known. And that even though we were not a part of the people of Israel, God, you have made it known to us as part of the nations, God. And you have revealed this truth, God, that we can find joy in you. That we can find deep satisfaction and purpose and meaning and pleasure in you and you alone. 
God, and so I pray that as our hearts are filled with that good news this morning, God, that it would overflow into us singing praises, to singing uh, worship songs full of joy. God, proclaiming the joy that we can have in you. God, I pray that we would be a joyous people this Christmas and at all times, God, and that we would proclaim this joy to the world, to the ends of the earth, and that one day we would stand around the throne and we would sing the praises of the king who has come in the form of a baby and lived a perfect life and died the death we deserve so that we could be there. God, we love you and we thank you for all that this means this morning. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's look at verse 1, Psalm 98. He says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. We are commanded uh, to sing. We're commanded to sing. And that feels a little weird because some of us aren't good singers, but we are commanded to sing. And he says to sing a new song. He says don't just sing the old songs. He says sing a new song. And I think part of what he means is that we are called to be creative in our worship of God. We are called to not just... uh, fall back on that which is familiar, but we are called to sing new songs. We only write new songs. When do people write songs? When they're moved. I write songs. I used to write songs. It's been a little while. Maddie reminds me of this often. I wrote her a lot of songs when I was trying to marry her. And now that we're married, I sing the old songs. Uh, When do we sing new songs? When we're moved, when there's love, when there's, when there's passion. Wow, that is not in my notes. Uh, we are commanded to sing new songs. Why? Why does he say? Because he has done marvelous things. Because of all that he has done, we are to to stand in awe and to remember and recount all that God has done. And we're to sing that to him and sing that to each other like we talked about last week. And what is one of the marvelous things that he's done? It says at the end of verse 1, that his right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation. The most marvelous thing that God has done is that he has made a way for us to be saved. He didn't just look at the gap between us and go, man, that's too bad. Ah, Man, I wish it was different, but this is how it played out. No, he works salvation, his right hand and his strong arm, his holy arm. He is strong enough to do it, and he has done it. And so this is primarily why we worship God. We worship him because he has saved us. Look at verse 2. It says, The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. Not only has God made a way of salvation, what does it say here? That he has made known this way of salvation. It's not really a way of salvation if you don't make it known. It's not real, right? If I know of a way for you to be saved from some disastrous debt or some impending danger, but I keep that news from you, that's not good. That's not a way of salvation. He has made known his salvation. It would be unkind of us to not tell the way of salvation. And who has he made this salvation known to? What does it say? Look at verse 2. The nations. This is a Jewish hymn writer 
writing a song about God's salvation, and he doesn't say the Lord has, made, has revealed his righteousness, has made known his salvation in the sight of Israel. That's not what he says. What does he say? He's revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. These are the people they despise. These are the people that they think are terrible, that there's no way God could have a relationship with them. And what they're singing about is that this is God has made known his salvation to the nations. God's heart is not just for Israel. God's heart is for the nations. That's why, we're, that's why we emphasize missions at this time of year, because God's heart is for the nations. We'd expect it to say, oh, God has saved Israel. God's done all these mighty things for Israel. No, he says it's for the nations. We need to be reminded that God is the creator of all peoples, not just us, not just Texans, not just Americans, not just whatever, fill in the blank, right? Not just Israelites. No, God has created all people, and he loves all people, and he desires that all would come to repentance and come back to experience this salvation. Look at verse 3. It says, He has remembered his steadfast love and his faithfulness to the house of Israel, and all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. He doubles down and he's describing further what this salvation is. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness. He, he hasn't forgotten them. He hasn't lost it. He hasn't, you know, lost the key to that lock, right? He knows the way and he's remembered it. He's chosen to act on it. And he says, he expands on the people and who he's revealed it to. He says, it's to the ends of the earth. It's for the whole world. This salvation that God has, has given to us is not just for us. And that's the point of the message this morning. Joy is not just for us. It's joy to who? To the world. Salvation is not just get out of hell free and then I just, whatever, I come to church and when I can and all that. No. God has saved us for a purpose. God has blessed us for a purpose. God has given us this news of salvation for a purpose. It's not just for one people, it's for all the peoples. This is in the Old Testament well before Jesus has ever come. And you can see that this has always been about all the peoples. Look at verse 4. He says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous songs and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of horn. Make a joyful noise before the king the lord we're commanded again to sing because of this news because we've heard the lord has made a way for us to be saved the only rightful response is to do what it's to make a joyful noise is to praise is to sing we're to rejoice in god's salvation that's why we we spend half of our service singing it may feel weird what else what other group of people gets together and spends half their time together singing it's kind of weird right why do we do it? Because God tells us to. Because he has put joy in our hearts and that joy overflows, right? It's interesting. Who, who does he tell to do this? He says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, verse 4. All the earth. It's not just Israel. It's not just those that are close, those that are near. No, he says, all the earth. It's for the world. This is an invitation for the world to experience this joy and to sing about this joy. The truth this morning is this, and this is what Jesus taught us. Right? It's only out of the overflow of our heart that the mouth speaks. 
It's only out of the overflow of our heart that the mouth speaks. And so if we don't experience joy on the inside, we will never proclaim joy to the world. If we don't experience salvation, we'll never proclaim salvation, right? We talk about the things that, that are important and meaningful to us. Hudson, some of you saw the video this week on Facebook where I pulled out one of his teeth with a pair of needle nose pliers. It was the most East Texas thing I've ever done in my life. Never killed a deer, never any of that, but I pulled my son's tooth out with a pair of needle-nose pliers. And Hudson has told every person we've seen since then. He'll go, <laughs> we're checking out at Boots, Daddy, tell her. Like, tell her what? What are you talking about? I lost a tooth. This is the biggest news that he's ever experienced in his whole life. The biggest moment of his life up to this point. Needle-nose pliers on our couch. And he can't help but tell everybody about it, right? He's overflowing with joy because his tooth is gone, right? He's overflowing because it's what's filled his heart, right? This is true of us. We will not make a joyful noise to the Lord. We will not break forth into joyous song and sing praises unless our hearts are filled with joy from God. Unless we really dwell on all that God has done for us. Unless we really have experienced mercy and grace, right? He says, break forth into joyous song, Use the lyre. I don't know what a lyre is, and we don't have any trumpets this morning. Sandler's telling me it's some sort of stringed instrument or something over there, whatever this is. Are we, are we in disobedience because we're not doing that this morning? No. The point is what? Be creative. Rejoice. Sing creatively. Sing loudly. Sing all of that because of what God has done for us in saving us. Verse 7. Look at verse 7. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the world and those who dwell in it. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Look at verse 8. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together. This reminds me of what Jesus said when, when he was uh, with his disciples and the Pharisees. And they tell, him, they tell his disciples to be quiet and stop singing Hosanna. And what does Jesus tell them? He says, if they're quiet, what will sing out? The rocks, right? This reminds us that, that, that all of creation, not just us, but all of creation is longing for this day when it will be redeemed and restored. And there's this, this pent-up rejoicing and song and even rocks and hills and, and rivers. and Like the whole earth is waiting for this moment when, when all things are made right to rejoice in song. One day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And the rivers and the rocks and the mountains and they all will declare... And one day, one of all the nations of the earth, all the nations, all the peoples, all the people groups will proclaim the glory of God and will proclaim his salvation. Look at verse 9. It says, before the Lord, sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the people's with equity. This seems like a funny reason to sing praise to God because he's coming to judge us, right? Does that not strike anybody as interesting? Let's sing because the judge is here. No, people get squeamish when a judge is coming, right? They get squeamish when their work's going to be examined. They're wondering, how did I do? Did it measure up, right? 
He says rejoice and sing. Why? Because he comes to judge the earth. Why? How could that ever be something for us to be joyous about? The only way is if we know that the judge is on our side, right? The only way we could ever rejoice that the judge is coming is if we know that the judge has declared us righteous. He has justified us. He has declared that even though you've got this in your past and that in your past, and even though you rejected me and walked away from me, and even though all this stuff happened, all of that's washed clean in Jesus. That's the only way we would rejoice that the Lord is coming to judge the earth. And this is why the world hears the message of judgment and goes, you hate, you're bigoted, all this stuff. No, we're telling you the truth. Yes, there is a judgment. Yes, we will be judged for what we have done. And for us, it'll be a moment of rejoicing that the judge is here. He is here to judge all the earth. And for others, it'll be a moment of anguish, realizing that everything they have ever done is known by the king and the creator of the universe. And we will all bow, and we will all take a knee, and we will all declare that Jesus is Lord. And that moment is a frightful day if you don't know Jesus. Because you know what? That you are not justified. That you are not clean. That you are not right before God. But for us, we can sing and we can clap and we can rejoice that the judge has come. Because why? Because we have been made right by grace and grace alone. The glory of this statement is that God will judge the whole earth and there will be people from all the tribes and tongues rejoicing with us that day. And this is the phrase that's repeated over and over. Sing songs of joy. Make a joyful noise. Break forth into joyous song. There's a lot of places we're tempted to seek after joy, uh, especially this time of year, especially in our current context. I thought of five. We are in constant search of joy and satisfaction and purpose and meaning and happiness and pleasure. One, we seek after joy in other people. We seek to find our joy in other people. Might be boyfriends, might be girlfriends, might be spouses, might be parents, might be kids, might be our friends, our friend circle, might be our coworkers, our bosses, whatever. We seek to find our joy and our satisfaction and our purpose. What's wrong with this? People let us down. Kids, parents, friends, everybody. Boyfriends, girlfriends, spouses. If our joy is found in other people, people will let us down. People will leave. People will hurt. And even the best of people will pass away. And our joy will be gone. If our joy is found solely in other people, we will not experience the joy that God intends us to. God cares about our joy. He wants us to be full of joy, as we're going to see in a minute. That's one, we're tempted to seek our joy in other people. Second, we're tempted to seek our joy in material possessions. Houses, land, cars, bank accounts, businesses, Christmas gifts. All, oh, it's so hard this time of year. How do you do it? How do we do this? All the material pressure. We're tempted to find our joy in what we have and what we possess and what we have more than others. What's wrong with this? Economies crash. Economies depress. Businesses close. Jobs come and go. 
we will be stuck in a cycle of, of trying to get more and more and always comparing ourselves to what we have. But here's the, you're always going to find somebody that's got more than you. You can never get enough. If your joy is found in material possessions, you will never get enough and you will never find joy. Third, we try to find our joy. We're tempted to seek our joy in accomplishments and what we can achieve and what we can do. Being promoted at work, being the MVP, being at the top of the class, winning the trophy, being the smartest, being recognized in our field as whatever. And what's wrong with this? It's temporary. It's fleeting. There's always going to be others that are better than us. There's always going to, even if we do achieve and, and get to the top, if you, if you really listen to the people that have done that, what do they say? They say it was empty. They, they don't feel, it doesn't feel like they thought it would. They get to the top. They have the most. They're all, they achieve it all. And at the end of the day, they feel the emptiness. If we put our joy in our accomplishments, it will let us down. We, we're tempted to seek our joy in substances, whether that's food. We talked about it last week, alcohol. It might be drugs. What's wrong? Whether it's food, alcohol, drugs, some other substance, is you always need more. You always need something stronger or something more whatever, right? And, and, and it never is enough. Like, no matter how great a meal I have today, and like, biscuits and gravy is pretty good, you're going to be hungry tomorrow. That biscuits and gravy will not last you all week. If your joy was in that biscuits and gravy, you got problems, right? Our joy cannot be found in substances. These things are fleeting, and they never fill us. We're tempted to find our joy or to seek joy in experiences. And experiences, trips, vacations, nights out with friends, and have, always having new experiences, trying interesting food in different places and going places and learning. And what's wrong with putting our joy on that? There's, we always need more. We always need something new. We always need something different. We're never content. We're never really satisfied. If our joy is based in something temporary and fleeting, our joy will be temporary and fleeting and dependent on our circumstances. Christians, our joy is not to be found in any of these things. Where do we find our joy? It's in the Lord and the Lord alone. Look at Psalm 4, verse 7. Psalm 4, verse 7. He says, you have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. You have put more joy in my heart than, when, than they have when their grain and wine abound. And what he's confessing is that no substance, no experience, no life circumstance ever satisfied me like you did, Lord. Joy from the Lord is something that far exceeds our circumstances and what we have. Psalm 16, 11 Psalm 1611, memorize this one. He says, they, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Where does joy come from? What does he say in this verse? One, it comes from knowledge of God. It comes, two, it comes from his presence. And three, it comes from being near at his right hand. 
There is no other place that we're going to find joy. There is no other place that will ever satisfy you or, or fill you up like a relationship with God. Like none of that other stuff ever will. Look at John 15. Jesus, when he's talking to his disciples, John 15, he says a whole lot, but we're going to jump in in the middle in verse 9, and he says this. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Verse 11. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. What I take from this, God's way more concerned about your joy than even you are. And we look for it in all sorts of things, in relationships and in position and in money. And he's going, no, you've missed it. There's so much more to be had in a relationship with me. And you're looking for it in all these other things. Joy comes from the Lord. It comes from knowledge of him and a relationship with him and being at his right hand. And this is what God wants more than even we do. He wants our joy to be full. And once we know that joy, we can't but express it to others. I think about Hudson this week telling the clerk, I lost my tooth. He's so joy-filled at this thought that one of his teeth is gone and there's another one coming up. He can't help but tell other people about it. This is what we are meant to be like. And this is what Christmas is meant to be to us. As we sing joy to the world, we are to proclaim joy to the world. We are to proclaim this, telling the world that the only place you're going to find joy, it's not in that new Christmas gift. It's not in that. It's not in that relationship. It's not, no, there's only joy in the Lord. That's why we emphasize missions so much at Christmas, because it's a clear reminder to us that our call is to proclaim joy to the world. My friend Heath Williams this past Sunday night said, and I think he's quoting, uh, Penn and Teller, you know the magicians, Penn and Teller? And Penn and Teller in an interview a few years ago, they're atheists, or one of them is, and he said uh, something to this effect. I don't have the direct quote, but this is what he told me. He said, how much do I have to hate someone to not tell them the good news of salvation? How much do I have to hate someone? Penn and Teller said, if you really believe this Jesus and that God sent his son, and if I don't believe in him, I'm going to die forever. If you don't tell me that, you must really hate me. Right? This is the message of Christmas, that we love the world enough and we love our neighbors and our friends enough to tell them that there is salvation in no other one but Jesus and Jesus alone. And there's so many application points today and, and really the thrust of what I wanted to talk about was missions and I didn't get there because uh, I got stuck on joy. But I hope this morning that as, as we ponder this that we are to sing joy to the world that we're to express God's uh, salvation and we're to proclaim it to each other. My prayer is that we would find our joy not in circumstances, not in material things, not in people, not in all those other things this year, but that we would find it in Christ, in Christ alone. Let me pray this morning. God, thank you for the truth of your word. And I pray through my haphazard words this morning, God, I pray that the truth of your word would shine through. 
And I pray that our hearts this, this season, God, would be filled with you and be filled with joy because of what you have done. The message of salvation, that you loved us despite us. And you sent your son Jesus to this earth with the purpose of being our savior, which meant that he would have to die for our sins in our place. God, we don't deserve that. God, and so we thank you for that gift. May our hearts be filled with that joy this year. And may we proclaim to the world that you can find that same joy in Christ. So we love you, God. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen.